0: Former Vice President Joe Biden continues to lead President Donald Trump by a steady margin in the national polls for president. However, the Biden campaign insists they're leaving no stone unturned in order to ensure what happened in 2016 doesn't rear its ugly head again. Biden faces a consequential decision. Who is he going to pick? As his vice-presidential running mate, does he have to pick an African-American woman of color in order to heal the open wounds of the nation and begin again? And who's the most competent, capable, and intriguing choice? Sam Stein is the political editor for the Daily Beast. He joined me this week to review Biden's vice-presidential options and to provide his perspective on some other national political headlines. I'm Kevin McShann. Let's have this conversation. when we look at uh, the upcoming election from the coronavirus pandemic to the economy to the civil unrest that's currently going on on around the country, there will be certainly a lot of issues on the minds of voters uh, this November. So I'm wondering if, if I can start you off with which one of those three issues do you think will be uh, most pre- prevalent on the minds of voters uh, this uh, November as they head to the polls?
1: That's a great question. Um, it's tough to know uh, what people will be talking about in you know, four months' time, let alone four days. Um, but if you look at um, the trajectory of how the United States is handling the coronavirus pandemic it does not give one a lot of confidence that this issue is gonna go away as much as everyone wishes it would just go away uh, we have um, we are in the midst of experiencing a fairly scary uh, uptick in cases in almost all the states across our country but most predominantly in the south and southwest we don't have much political will remaining to lock everyone back up in their homes so that we can stop the spread of this virus, which means that this will likely continue to spread in our communities. And this will only likely grow worse as the fall comes because people will head back indoors uh, where the virus spreads more easily. And so what you, if you have a crystal ball uh, all this means is it's shaping up for a situation where, right around election time, we will be still in the midst of this pandemic, with the potential for things to be on the uptick.
0: We will have a,
1: you know, still difficult economic situation related to the fact that businesses can't open, or can't open fully because of the pandemic. And whilst kids may be going back to school in our country, there is a strong likelihood that. The schools themselves will have to either shut down because of virus scares, or that they will have to do more remote learning. So basically, massive disruptions in the daily lives of voters right before election day, which means that I think, to answer your question, I think coronavirus will likely play the biggest role um, heading into the heading into November and, this- and the top of voters' minds.
0: Uh, Do you think that uh, um, the lack of a national response will hurt the president come election day?
1: Yes. I mean, it's already hurting him right now uh, by any conceivable metric. Um, His approval ratings for the handling of the coronavirus pandemic have gone consistently lower and lower. Um, Now, there is always a portion of this country that is, completely committed to donald trump and we'll stick with him through a lot of this if not all of this and they can um rationalize his response and they can point to things that they say uh, paint his response in a positive light but um the truth of the matter is is that uh, the majority of the country thinks he's done a very poor job uh they've been turned off by how he's handled it and they look at sort of the top line statistics and they say the United States is staring as bad, if not worse, than any other country in the world at this. Uh, and leadership starts at the top, and Donald
0: Trump's at the top. And uh, uh, turning to Joe Biden, I'm just wondering your thoughts on. Uh, the uh, process to pick his vice president certainly there's been a lot of groundswell to pick an African American woman he said he's going to pick a woman as his running mate I'm just wondering do you believe that he has to pick an a, a African American uh, woman to uh, help uh, sort of heal the open wounds of the nation at this point
1: It's it's a that's a really good question you know I think it, the easy answer would be yes. Uh, that you know, it would it would make a it would be an incredible symbol uh, and a nod to the African American community if there was a uh, African American running mate. I think the more complicated answer is that it, well, it might not matter as much as people think. Um, if you look at public opinion surveys of African American voters. While they may be sentimentally attached to the notion, they're not going to not vote if the nominee for vice president is white. Um, Joe Biden has promised to pick a female vice president. He also has promised to pick an African-American woman for a seat on the Supreme Court if a vacancy opens up. And it's almost certain that a vacancy will open up if he is elected. So he's made these nods already. I think he's earned some kudos for it, Uh, but I don't think necessarily that he has to pick an African-American woman for his vice presidential nominee as a matter of course. I think it would send an amazing uh, signal. I think it would be um, politically and morally appropriate, but I'm not sure it would, it's the elixir, for instance, that would guarantee his election.
0: Now, the people who's considering, I'm just wondering your opinion on who do you think is the most intriguing f- for the job, and who do you think he'll ultimately pick?
1: <laughs> I can't give you a prediction on who he'll pick because I will choose someone and then I will be wrong and I'll be humiliated by how wrong I've been. But I will tell you, the people who are at the top of the list are, are Senator Kamala Harris of California, she's an African-American. Uh, senator, uh, was a vice, was a presidential nominee, um, you know, younger, dynamic, um, a future of the party type person. There's also Elizabeth Warren, who is the senator from Massachusetts, uh, also was a presidential nominee. Uh, she's uh, more liberal-minded. Uh, um, she could, you know, steal up Biden standing among the base. She's not generationally different than Biden. So, you know, we have a very old Democratic ticket if she were chosen. Then there's uh, Val Demings, who is a representative from Florida. She's a member of the House. She uh, was once the police chief in Orlando, uh, generationally quite different than Biden, African-American woman with law enforcement background. Uh, And then the most recent uh, name that's been floated a lot is uh, Senator Tammy Duckworth, who is a... um, Illinois, senator from Illinois, uh, decorated war veteran, uh, double amputee. Both her legs were lost uh, in Iraq um, when she was serving there. Uh, and she is a minority. She's uh, Her nationality is Thai, And she has an impressive resume in addition to being, you know, the United States senator. So, you know, all these people have great attributes that they can bring to the ticket. I think the choice Biden has to face is... Twofold. One, who do you think is the weakest part of your coalition? If he looks at it and he says, "Oh, I need to get progressive Democrats to rally to my candidacy because I'm worried that they're, they don't, you know, necessarily view me as one of their own," they're upset that Bernie Sanders lost. Then he might be inclined to choose Elizabeth Warren. If he wants to make a nod to, you know, this moment in history when racial justice is at the forefront of our political conversation, then perhaps a Val Demings would make sense in that case. Um, if it's a generational argument, and he has been upfront saying he wants to be a bridge to a future generation, then, you know, we're looking more at someone like Cammy Duckworth or Kamala Harris, who are, you know, young 50s um, senators who, you know, represent the future of the Democratic Party um compared to let's say a warren or biden
0: now do you think a biden's empathetic nature will help him at all draw voters in november because i think when you look at this election it's a choice between the status quo and keeping things the same versus trying to bridge the uh, narrative? Because, as we've seen, President Trump isn't exactly the most empathetic person in the world. So I'm just wondering, do you think uh, (laughs) empathy will help uh, Joe Biden in November?
1: Uh, Another really good question. Um, It's funny because um, when Barack Obama was president, um, he was quoted as saying, uh, that he wanted a supreme court justice who was empathetic and his opponents obama's opponents used that against him uh, as saying we don't need you know people in that position to be empathetic we need them to understand the law and and, and apply it um so empathy has been used as uh, a, a bad thing in politics before i think we're in a vastly different place now um My general theory is that uh, elections like this tend to be uh, reactive to what is going on in the current moment. And by that I mean that people gravitate towards someone who is the polar opposite of the person in power. And so part of the reason I think Donald Trump was elected in the first place is that he represented a complete break and change from Barack Obama. And I think one of the things that Joe Biden has working for him is precisely the fact that he embodies this empathetic type of politics, this idea that you can care about people, that you can want to understand the opposition and work with the opposition, that there's nothing unmanly or unpatriotic or problematic about showing empathy and compassion. And I think people in this day and age are... Probably thirsting for that a lot more than they were, let's say, you know, five years ago. And so I do think it is an advantage to uh, Biden. And I think his team understands that because they constantly emphasize that he has, that he has an empathetic streak in all of their advertisements and all of the arguments they make against Trump. So I think they view it as an advantage too.
0: Now, as you and I both know, that seniors will vote in large numbers in this election. So I'm wondering your thoughts on uh, the way that the president has sort of uh, treated that demographic and whether it'll cost him uh, uh, come election day in November. You said seniors, right? Seniors, that's correct, yeah.
1: Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, traditionally, seniors are the most likely people to vote in uh presidential elections in any elections really and more often than not but not all the time they lean Republican. Uh, in this case um what we've seen is real gravitation away from trump uh among the older voter demographic uh, and people are trying to figure out exactly why that is the case um one of the explanations is simply that his handling of the coronavirus pandemic has been, you know, particularly problematic for older generations who are much more likely to have severe consequences from contracting the disease. And they look at this and they say, well, you know, why should we support someone who couldn't protect us? A visceral reaction to Trump. I also think he has a style of politics that... Um, is not necessarily, you know, comfortable for that demographic. It might be for, you know, younger seniors, uh, the 50 to 65 range. But I think over that age, people are sort of, you know, find it all very peculiar that there's a president who can't seem to stop tweeting uh, and engaging in culture wars and, you know, calling, you know, uh, his his opponents any number of sort of vicious nicknames, and I find they probably find that a little bit off-putting. And then the last thing is that Joe Biden is just sort of like, you know, an easy person to latch on to in that sense. He's not, you know, first of all, he's old. He's 77 years old. Uh, secondly, he's been around. He's a known quantity. They're familiar with him. Uh, thirdly, and I don't think this can be, you know, dismissed, is he's a white male, and in a country that has obvious issues with race, but also uh, has had a history of, you know, issues electing female candidates, this is a vessel that they're comfortable with. And then finally, he's not a radical, uh, like the Trump campaign wants to portray him to be. Uh, He's, you know, he's an established guy whose centrist politics uh, aren't off-putting for seniors uh, like uh, a Bernie Sanders may have been. So, you know, all those make it easy for them to cross over and abandon Trump. And I think if, you know, if Trump is to go on and lose uh, the election, it's probably going to be because he bled support from seniors over these summer months.
0: Now, uh, just to follow up on that, assume, assuming uh, Trump loses in November, how do you think um, his president, presidency will ultimately be uh, defined?
1: Uh, man i don't know it's it's really tough to say a lot of it obviously depends on where we are uh in the stage of fighting the coronavirus pandemic and the accompanying damage to the economy that it causes um you know from a legacy standpoint there's trump doesn't you know trump's main legacy will be that he reshaped the courts in america he's he's uh gotten uh 200. Uh, largely conservative, though not exclusively conservative judges, uh, confirmed to positions in this country. So that legacy will be with America for decades to come. And, you know, you cannot just simply dismiss that. Uh, at the same time, I think it's fair to say that his, the policies he's pursued and enacted have largely come up short. Uh, we, you know, much of what he's done has been through executive orders, which are basically presidential directives that can be reversed by his predecessors, uh, or sorry, his successors. Um, so there's not much, you know, permanency to that. And I think you know people will look back and say, "Wow, he over, he presided over, you know, just a completely botched response to a global pandemic that resulted in, you know, we're at 130,000 right now in America dead. Uh, we're looking at, you know, three million infected." Uh, and you know, dozens of millions of you know jobs lost. I mean, there's not many good ways to spin that if he loses in November. If he gets four more years to change, you know, to change the course, that's a different that's a different question. But you know, I, I just feel like if he loses in November, people will look back and say, you know, this was not a success story. It was you know a story of you know, bumbling failure even.
0: Yeah, I've got two more questions for you and then uh yeah. the first one has to do we saw that uh the vice president held a news conference yesterday announcing the Trump administration's desire to reopen schools I'm just wondering uh, your thoughts on uh, that debate and having kids back in the classroom and I, I know you have children uh, as well so I'm wondering uh, your thoughts on how uh, Americans will perceive the need to get their kids back into school uh, uh, versus uh, keeping them safe as well yeah
1: I mean I have five a seven month old who's not going to school anytime soon uh, but I also have a three and a half year old who is in pre kindergarten, and um, you know, I, obviously, this affects me on a personal level, um, like anyone who has kids. And you know, what's frustrating, I, I suppose, about this is that this is a this is a issue with incredible complexities and emotional baggage. You know, speaking as a as a human being and not a reporter here. Um, you know, I'm conflicted about this. I want my son to, you know, get the benefits of, you know, that come with pre-kindergarten, you know, whether it's educational or social or just being around, you know, people who are his age uh, to, you know, learn the things that he needs to learn about interaction. I want all that. At the same time, I, I recognize that there's risk involved in this, not just for my kid, um, but for the teachers who have to be there, for the staff of the school, uh, and, you know, for, you know, anyone who gets around these kids who could be vectors for the disease. So with that as a backdrop, it's interesting to see this distilled into this incredible sort of debate about absolutely you are foreclosing the schools or you're for putting them completely open. And that's what Trump has done. He said, we're either going to open the schools entirely or we're not going to do it at all. And I just find that that's a debate that is a fake debate. I mean, there's got to be ways to do this, you know, with some nuance. And it just sort of exemplifies Trump's style, and I think maybe the pitfalls of it, really well, which is, you know, someone who put more thought into the issue might say, okay, we're going to try to do things differently than in the past. We're going to try to give schools the resources they need to make sure that they have, you know, the public health guidelines, the, the, the infrastructure to make sure that kids are safe. Trump doesn't think like that. He wants people to just go back to school and, and you know, incur the risk. And I think, you know, parents across the country probably look at this and say, oh yeah, that doesn't make me totally comfortable, and I wish you wouldn't push so hard.
0: Yeah, my final question for you is I'm just wondering how, um, if you can define for me this uh, current time politically in America and how uh, we should perceive it at this time,
1: it's a really difficult time in America. Um, I remember being around during um, Hurricane Katrina in two thousand and five. Um, this was when the Iraq pre- you know the Iraq war was going poorly, and then we had. One of America's great cities, you know, submerged in flood water uh, with people dying and the government unable to help them. And I thought back then that was a really dark time in American history. I remember reporting as our stock market collapsed in September of 2007 amid this presidential contest, people were losing their life savings. Uh, You know, it felt like bottomless almost um, in terms of the economy. That was a dark time, too. And I could, you know, this I feel like is comparable in terms of its, you know, in terms of just sort of the, the, the darkness of the moment we're in, where it feels like we are all just sort of stuck in the system in which we don't know how we're going to emerge from this pandemic without severe human damage. And not just in the, in the immediate term, but in the long term, too. I and mean, people are going to lose, they've lost their jobs, they're going to lose, struggling. Uh, they're going to have to risk, uh, their personal health. We're going to have educational issues that stem from this. Um, and it just doesn't feel like our politics is up to the task right now. Um, and so, yeah, being, covering American politics right now is, it's like a weird, weird, dark, compelling, uh, and emotional story, um, that you know, you're just sort of trying to figure out how to explain and wrap your head around. Um, I love it as a journalist. Don't get me wrong. Professionally it's fascinating, but as a human being, and you can't separate the two sometimes,
0: as a human being, it's a little bit scary. Hey, Sam, we want to uh, take a few seconds to thank you for providing your insights and analysis on some uh, poli- political issues that are important to many, of m- many Americans. I want to thank you for your s- time and have a great day. Okay.
1: Thank you so much. I really appreciate the opportunity to come on
0: the show.